Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or fumble like a Greg of Ryan Combo. Standing on the ground, flat beat, burn, killing worms and drugs, and I'm doing it on my terms. It's a late when I'm little bit of Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever, helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punched, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting at Claims Coach on Instagram and TikTok, and they just call me the mouth of the South. And alongside of me is the catastrophe queen, the claims dame, Miss Jessica Odell, and the tantalizingly terrific... The fantastically fanatical, the one, the only baby cakes, Miss Donna Lavelle. How is everybody doing on this fine awesome. Wednesday? And well, um, I'm doing pretty good too. I'm doing pretty good too. I, I did get a little bit of uh, bad news right before we jumped on the air here. Um, um, one of those carriers, one of those carriers. Oh. I, I almost said I almost said it. I'm not going to say which one. I'm one of those carriers um, is uh, is giving me very high oh. blood pressure <laughs> on a claim that I've been trying to settle for a year. I, I just I mean, it's like, my gosh, guys. And, and it's like, I mean, insert carrier name. We all go through it. I, I mean, I'm not special just because this one happens to be the one time or the 19th hundred thousandth time that I'm going through this thing or whatever. But um man it, it's just i mean the carrier game out there is just getting absolutely crazy you know what i'm saying and i noticed um jess you posted it actually on your personal facebook page and i went and found a um an article because for whatever reason when i tried to share it it, it wouldn't let me share the article even though it was like public on oh. your facebook page i tried to share it but i went and found the same article from the associated press that um, was talking about farmers laying off something like 2,400 people. Um, a good friend of mine that works out in Utah sent me this text message or email to some of their people. Obviously, it was redacted, and it says, please log off, shut down, you have been laid yep. off. I saw that in, a, in an adjuster None. group meeting in the or middle. adjuster group Facebook page, too. She was like, I, I don't even know what the heck happened. <laughs> Yeah, like nobody knows. Nobody, absolutely nobody. And I do know, and I found it. I knew that they had pulled out of Florida. Were you aware that they're pulling out of California no, as well? I did not know that. I, that is, I mean, look, that's all hearsay at this point in time. I've not seen any official word on that, but supposedly Farmers is pulling out of, uh, out of uh, California. So like it or uh, like it or love it leave it or yeah, wh whatever you want to whatever you want to say there I, I you know i mean i don't i don't really know one way or the other but i you know that is kind of what we're we're up against i mean the climate right now and i think that that's a lot of why you're seeing a lot of claim delay you know what i'm saying Absolutely. i think um we put a post up we put a post up on the pain of the claim facebook page and if you haven't voted on it yet i would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not involving a public adjuster do you think they delay it because a public adjuster is involved you know intentionally drag the process out longer because a public adjuster is involved so yeah i i think that might play to some extent i don't know that that's the majority of the reason but i'm sure i don't think I we're that big same, a deal same. i don't think we're that yeah. big a deal yeah but I, sometimes I do think that happens. Or maybe we are. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. We're going to delay this shit just because it's Jessica's possible. Yeah, I mean, Batman that, that's was crossed my mind a few times. He was, that has he, actually crossed my mind a few times. Like, maybe they have a database and they're like, type this public adjuster in and say, don't work with it. No, I'm just kidding. Who knows? Yeah, make them go broke as soon as possible. What's going on in the world today, baby cakes? Well, I lost my facts because I had the wrong date before. I was all prepared, so now I'm going to have to tell some dad jokes. Dad You're jokes. You're going to tell dad jokes? Instead, yeah. I don't have any facts, and I don't have any Today in History queued up. I was, I was exchanging Chuck Norris jokes with my oldest son. Oh, go ahead. They were, they were pretty funny. Go ahead. I've got a couple that I think is really right. Yes, do them. Okay. God said, let there be light. Chuck Norris said, say please. Dang. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> the Reaper fears of Chuck Norris. <laughs> um, 
I uh, let me let me. I've, I've got these that are probably pretty readily available. Um, let me see here if I can get um, Chuck Norris can melt paper. Chuck Norris can count to infinity twice. Chuck Norris can gargle peanut. Can gargle. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Norris went to Burger King and asked for a Big Mac and got one. <laughs> um, let me see if I've got another one that I think is pretty good. One time they named a road Chuck Norris, but nobody, but, but they had to change it because no one crosses Chuck Norris. <laughs> let me go ahead and tell one of these dad jokes. <laughs> Okay, so that one that, that that one didn't go very well. Okay, why can't you hear a pterodactyl going to the bathroom? Oh gosh. I have no idea. The pee is silent. <laughs> I'm sorry you guys. I've disappointed everyone in the audience. I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. Okay. Well, you know, I know you'll do better, and like you always say, no one's half the bullshit. Yes, exactly. So there we go. Guys, we've got a really great show for you today. We are going to be discussing the topic of appraisal. We're going to be coming to you in three separate rounds. When you hear this sound, you know that the round has begun. And when you hear this sound, you know that the round is over. Now, I want to remind you, for those of you who may be new to the Rumble, this is not a debate, this is not a debate show. And in by no means what I consider myself an expert. Um, I know Jess feels the same way. We are merely just two people that are stuck in the same miry crap that you're stuck in trying to figure it out. We just thought we would talk about it and let you guys listen to it. So we need your help. So any questions or comments that you may have, please feel free to drop them down in the comments below and we will do our best to get back to you. Um, appraisal is a, is a, is a very, um, it's a very talked about topic right now, and I'm looking forward to getting into this. And uh, round one starts right after this. Public adjusters, listen up. It's Jeremy Lavelle, owner of Remedy Claims Consulting, host of the Rumble, and most importantly, your claims coach. Public adjuster training is one of the hardest things to find. Sure, you can take some online seminars, you can show up to conferences, but none of them tailor training just for you until now. Whether you need to learn how to estimate, scope, negotiate, or prospect, I can help you drill down on the skills you want to develop. Maybe you're just starting out and you need to learn the claims process from a to Z, or you're just wanting to help are you just wanting help on strategy on a specific claim? I can help you find the traction you were looking for and learn how to truly control the narrative in the ever-changing world of claims. You can reach out to me directly at 888-596-8772, or you can find me on the web at remedyclaims.com and just click Get Started. That's 888-596-8772 or remedyclaims.com and click Get Started. You can even shoot me an email at jeremy at remedyclaims.com that's j-e-r-o-m-y at remedyclaims.com it's time to move your career to the next level round one when's it ready to go to appraisal well if i am going to want to point something out really quickly to know when it's ready to go to appraisal, there's one question that you have to ask yourself. Obviously, you and the carrier are in some sort of disagreement, whether you're a public adjuster, whether you're a contractor, whether you're a homeowner, no matter what the situation is, evidently, if you're aware of the appraisal process and you're wondering, is this something that I should send to appraisal? The one question, the questions that you have to ask yourself, one, do I have a coverage problem or do I have a scope problem? And the answer to that question is, in my opinion, is if you have a coverage problem, that is not something that's appraisable, okay? If you have a scope problem, then that, in fact, is appraisable. So let me give you an example. If, let's say you have a slab leak, okay? Let's say you have a slab leak, and the plumber comes out and says, you have a leak inside of your slab. 
and it's going to cost me $670,000 to cut into this slab and fix this pipe. And we're going to tear up, uh, we're going to tear up all this stuff, all of this continuous wood flooring. We're going to tear up your stairs. We're going to have to, you know, take your children hostage. All of these things are going to happen to you so that we can get to this, so that we can get to this, uh, this broken pipe. But right now, there's nothing that's damaged inside of your house because the leaky water is either running underneath the foundation, it's running out to the side of the house, and there's not any manifest damage inside of the house. And the carrier comes back and says, yeah, well, I understand that it's going to cost you a lot of money to get this broken pipe fixed. However, there is no, um, we're not going to cover this. We're going to deny this claim for you, and um, we're just not going to cover anything. And so you have a full denial. That is not appraisable. Okay, so that is not a claim that is ready for appraisal. An example of when it is ready for appraisal, let's say that you have damage to a kitchen and you're pulling the cabinets out. And the carrier has written for standard grade cabinets and you have all wood maple cabinets. And the carrier just wants to replace the lowers and you believe that all of the uppers are damaged as well and they're riding for a lower grade cabinet. That, my friends, is appraisable because now what you have is a scope issue. You also have a material identification. This all boils down into the carrier has agreed that the cabinets need to be fixed. What you disagree on is the amount of money that it is going to require. That is how you tell if something is appraisable, and that's what makes it ripe for appraisal. Now, those are very simple arguments. The problem is, is that you can have a situation where there is a scope that is approved, but you want to go ahead and start appraising things. And so sometimes you have something that is a partial denial. And you want to take that thing to appraisal. Now, we have to look very, very carefully at that. So, um, Jess, let me ask you this. Have you ever gotten involved in any sort of these weird things that maybe you can share with us where it was sort of on the borderline, not real sure what to do? Um, if you haven't, that's okay. I'm just well, kind of curious. So, one of the things I also wanted to bring up was there's the textbook answer, right, of what when is it ripe to go to appraisal? And then there's the the wild, wild west reality. Textbook says right. a claim is ripe for appraisal when there's a cost dispute. Because right now there's so much debate out there whether scope disputes is actually a coverage dispute. Because if I am a an insurance company, I almost said a few of them. Um, if, if I was an insurance company and I'm writing a partial denial letter, I'm saying, yep, we acknowledge there's hail damage to these soft metals. We're going to pay for those. Yep. No problem. But all of this other stuff on this roof, it it's wear and tear that we don't cover wear and tear. So now they start looking at that as, you know, we're looking at it from a scope perspective. No, this is damaged by hail. It's part of the, the scope. Scope is, it needs to be repaired. They're looking at it as it's wear and tear to us. Therefore, it's co it's not covered. Then it gets sticky because they, they use the C word, right? But in, in the wild, wild west of appraisal, there are lots of appraisals that are out there where th they, they pay for the soft metals. They open up appraisal and the roof gets bought. So there's textbook and then there's what's going on out there. And I really think... What's going to happen? Because I know that the appraisal environment is changing very much right now, and I'm that's I'm kind of just I'm not trying to keep track of every change at the moment. I kind of feel like this is all going to settle soon. Uh, and what I, I I wonder if what's going to come out of that is unless the line the scope itself is pretty darn you know close to you know on both sides of the fence. If, if, if it's not, it's not appraisable. I don't know. I don't know. And well, right, because you have to have coverage to have an appraisal. If you have no coverage, now I'm going to give you an example of the wild, wild west that Jessica is talking about. Now, what I talked about were some very textbook, clear and clean margins of whether or not it's appraisable and whether it's not, whether it is or isn't appraisable. So, I am going to give you, there is a carrier um, that will remain nameless. 
Um, I'm sure um, Baby Cakes is going to insert some sort of sound effect at this point in time that is going to give you a clue as to who maybe I might be referring to. <laughs> but um, let's just say that um, let's just say that you have a roof claim, okay? And and let's and we're talking about the peril of hail, okay? And you've got your test squares, you've got your 8 to 10 to 12 to 14 plus, you know, in on every slope and you've gone through and you've circled them and you've checked them off and you've done all this and you've photographed them and you've done everything that you can do um, to present the damage, okay? And um, the carrier comes back and says that we are going to, we agree that the uh, shingles that are damaged that you took a picture of, and let's say there's 60 shingles, 16 or, you know, you know, let's just for easy math, say there's 15 on each slope. We've got 60 damaged shingles. And so we're going to write you a repair for 60 <laughs> shingles. Now, I know it would never happen that a carrier would write an okay. estimate to repair 60 individual shingles. I know none of you guys are running into that, but just stay with me here, okay? Just stay with me. Now, what has been argued um, is that the only shingles that are in coverage at this point are those 60 individual shingles. And we even saw some situations where this went to appraisal and that appraisal award came back to replace the entire roof and that appraisal award was then vacated due to the fact that there was a lack of coverage for everything other than the 60 shingles that were in coverage <laughs> so <laughs> and I am going to get into some things here in just a second when it comes down to appraisal clauses, whether or not something, how do you know when it's ready? Um, one of the things that I would tell you is make sure that your scope is clearly defined on what it is that you're wanting to send to appraisal, because I saw some, now I'm not saying that's right. I, I am, I am in full belief that at some level and just stop me if you disagree with me ensuing loss or creating a causing damage to something like if you have a hole in a wall or you have a stain on a wall, you don't, you're not going to just go perfectly cut out the part of drywall that's stained, right? And then replace it back with this perfectly stained shaped new piece of drywall. What do you have to do? You have to cut out bigger than the stain in order to create the repair. Well, very similar to a roof, you're not just going to touch one shingle because of the manner in which shingles are installed and work together as a unit. Right. Okay. Now I am not saying that that 60 shingle uh, repair thing that I was talking about. Now that would be an inappropriate, you know, that would be a misappropriation of coverage as it is available under the policy, in my opinion. Now I'm no attorney, but reading is fundamental. Okay. And this doesn't require a lot of interpretation here. Hail hit the roof, right? So in my head, guess what's in coverage? the entire bleeping roof, right? If it hit the roof, anything involved with the roof, all the way from the highest point of, of whatever vent down through the decking, because I've been involved in some, in some hailstorms where hailstones damage coffee tables, okay? I'm not kidding you. And so when, when you have that much of the roof that's involved, and so you have to bring it all into, into consideration when you're looking at it. But more than likely, I would say, this is what I would say, and this is where I agree with the carrier, Q gasp. Um, <gasps> this is where I agree with the carrier is that the scope has not been clearly defined. And in some places you have to, you have to more clearly define your scope. And so it's not ready for appraisal until that scope has been absolutely 100% clearly and, and defined and communicated to the carrier. Agreed. So, how do you know it's ready? Make sure that your scope is defined. Baby Cakes, did you have something you're looking at me? You're looking at me like I'm crazy, like I lost my damn mind over there. <laughs> That's how I always do. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's because she's always looking at me, and that's how you look at me. It's like <laughs> I lost my damn mind. So, I, guys, that's that's really the important thing. Now, I want to tell you that I'm going to mention a carrier here, and this is not a brand new clause, but State Farm has l- recently in- inserted a new um, appraisal protocol. Okay, now what I don't like is the timelines that they put on it. But nevertheless, this is actually a pretty good protocol. And we've been asked for this before. I said this in an earlier episode where the State Farm Appraisal Clause, and I'm going to give you very broad strokes. Now, look, this thing's about right. four pages long. So there's a lot of detail, but I want to be to three or four pages. Yeah, it went from one paragraph to to four pages. And so basically, and there's a reason for that, and 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 we'll get into that in later rounds, but this appraisal clause, and I'm betting that carriers nationwide are going to start adopting very similar language within there. So guys, appraisal is not what it used to be, but this appraisal clause basically says you must submit to us an itemized list of your dispute and the value of this of said dispute. So basically an estimate of your disputed items you have to, whether it's an exactimate, whether you want to use some other estimating platform, I'm not really, I'm not really caring, but it is an item. You have to submit the itemized dispute. They then have 10 days to review it. And if at that time they agree with the dispute that it is clearly defined, then the, the appraisal process starts, and then you have the 20 days to name your appraisers. So this is why homeowners are going to have to be very involved with the appraisal process. And I am one of those guys that does not like to sit down with a, a homeowner or a po- policyholder and get into all the things that are going to happen if what I'm about to go do doesn't work. I know that's a tough conversation to 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 get into it's like look i'm gonna do this 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 and this and when this doesn't work this is called the appraisal process because once you then add that entire process yeah, to like, them you're the they, they, get, they get really confused really yep. fast so um i am not a guy that likes to do that what i like to do is basically you know kind of spoon feed them one step at a time and just and I and I'll leave it I'll leave it at this and you you do whatever you want to do with your clients I'm just telling you what I do with mine I I said I want you to know that this is just one step in a very long process okay this is one step in a very long process and if the normal claims process doesn't work there are alternate dispute resolution methods that are short of litigation that we can attempt to move this to an equitable outcome that suits you. And, but I will tell you, I will tell you that what we're hoping for is full indemnity. And that's why we're going through this process first. And our only shot at full indemnity is to go through the standard claims process, because anything after this is the word that we use called settlement. And we want to be clear that you will be settling. And typically when you say settle, that equals a lesser amount than what you had originally planned. Okay. Like the girl you dated in high school. Yeah, right. Like there was the girl that I wanted to date in high school. And then there's the girl I actually dated in high school. And so that is really the idea of settlement there. You know, it's not the girl that I wanted to date. It's the girl that I actually dated in high school. So there is there there is that. So understand that anything outside of the, the reason that we go through the normal claims process and we don't jump to appraisal super quick. And I'm telling you that there's a lot of people out there in the wild, wild west that Jess was referring to. When we jump to appraisal too quickly, we are forcing them often into something less than what the policy has provisioned for. So it's important to go through the claims process. So um, that is kind of the landscape of appraisal. I realize I probably created more questions than I actually answered there. Jess, do you have any final thoughts on round one before I move on? I sure do. Um, I I definitely think one of the things that is, when is it ready for appraisal? Uh, definitely not until you get a hold of the policy and know what that appraisal clause says. Come on, preach. Yes, because uh, they're changing. They are changing with with every renewal. They're, yeah, it's definitely... Every time I read a policy... 
lately, every time I read a policy lately, thinking that I know what it is. And look, I'm going to tell you the secret to to reading a policy is not sitting down and reading it word for word, though I don't necessarily not recommend that that's a good idea but you know when you're looking for certain things i use i just get that yes. readable pdf and control f and start looking for keywords and finding where those keywords pop up and then i would tell you once you find those keywords and they seem to apply what you're looking for that's the entire section you want to read from beginning to end everything that would apply before that and you know go all the way back to the bold subtitle and start reading that until you get there and then continue reading until you get to another bold yep. subtitle. And that's when you know you can stop and you have a full understanding of what's going on. And then go to on. the back where all the um, exclusions and amendments and all that are and make sure that it's not changed. But what I was going to say is I have not read a policy in recent history and I would say in the last year where the words holy <laughs> shit didn't come out of my mouth after I read it. I'm dead serious. Like, it's like, I cannot believe what they're putting in a policy these days. And that appraisal clause is one of them because that long appraisal clause that I was telling you is it, it goes back to what I was saying. It's like the very last line of that appraisal clause is, is we reserve the right to rem to deny any, no matter what the award is, we can deny this thing if we want to. They've got exculpatory language. They're right there at the end that basically says, screw you if we yep. want to. So we're glad you went through so, this process. We're um, glad you paid now, for your appraiser. We paid for ours. We're glad you paid half of your fee for the umpire. Uh, but now we don't want to pay. Yeah, I still don't have any really good news for you. There we go, everybody. Yeah, thank you so very much. Yeah, um, you won the appraisal, but you get no money. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. We're all really happy about that. But um, anyway, and that's and that's just that's the uh, that's the world of appraisal. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try. That's part of what makes the appraisal the wild, wild west. And the best way to avoid that is to go back and listen to round one again and determine whether or not this thing is right for appraisal. But we're going to get into some other things about appraisal in round two because it starts right after this. One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, what you can do in appraisal. So as an appraiser, you have certain liberties, okay? You have certain liberties. Um, one of the things that you do is you, you, don't, you don't have any sort of – one of the things I do like about it in appraisal is it is a negotiation. So you can negotiate. That's one of the things that I absolutely love about the appraisal process. You're not worried about company guidelines. You're not worried about what the PA wants. You're not worried about any of this other stuff. It's you and one other dude that have to sit down and come to and come to an agreement. So there is there is some there is a lot of liberty there when it comes to recommending right. repairs. Um, you can. Um, Jess, I, I, I want to give you room here because I've got like a list of stuff that I could go down, but I want to make sure that you have plenty of opportunity here. Is there something that you want to interject quickly here of, of stuff that you know that we can do? Because I want to I want to give room for that. I don't want to just. No, I, I definitely want to make sure I don't steal your thunder. Um, but I I did want to add that I, I also I think it is very liberating when it does get outside of carrier versus PA when it's when it's just two people with background and knowledge and experience and we can have just adult conversation about the damages there's it's it's almost like it's disarming it kind of yeah it removes the, the the competitive nature that we often find um i i find the appraisal process once you're sort of in it to be considerably more amicable yes. 
than the normal claims process, depending on the adjuster on the other side of the table. Now, I can get into the claims process and controlling the narrative and all of those kinds of things. Never once would I ever give you permission to be a dick, though. You know, because that the moment the moment that you step into that realm, you you've you've hurt the claim. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. And look, I'm guilty of it recently, you know, because we get passionate about these things. We get emotional about these things. But the biggest thing that I told one guy is like, look, man, you need to go get trained on Xactimate. And he goes, I think and I told him straight up, I said, I think it's really unfair that they're asking you to do a job that you don't know how to do. And uh, I mean, and, and I kind of regret having done that. But I, you know, those of you who know me and know me well, know that I don't have any problem with reducing someone down pretty quickly. So um, I'm not necessarily proud of that. But I have I have gotten into that. And I'm telling you, you will hurt the claim um, if if you get into that. So many times understanding that appraisal is there for you when you can't get him to agree with you or he has no interest in looking at the policy he has no interest in understanding how exactimate works or how civility works or whatever platform you're working with whenever those things happen to you which they will you know what i'm saying being a dick is rarely going to be the thing that turns them back to your direction right um this is not a competition this is it's just not but um there are there are a lot of things one of the things that i really like that you can do is that you're not out there alone look there's no way to be an expert in everything okay so if you need a roofing expert look I'm, I, i've got a buddy that just did an appraisal that um you know it was on a uh, stone coated steel roof is what it was on and understanding you know what it was going to take to fix that thing they really needed to bring the manufacturer in and often the manufacturer will come in and settle any sort of questions or disputes and it shuts it down so if you need an expert and you've got somebody that wants to insert themselves and you two appraisers agree on that it's not just agreeing on the estimate it's like how do we come together let's go ask this and i'm not talking about an umpire i'm talking about let's go ask an expert on how we're going to you know, look at these kinds of things. And so any of these experts that you work with, you can involve an expert. So um, I, go ahead, Jess. I, I haven't come across this situation before where I've had to, you know, it's beyond my scope or, or you know, expertise or whatever. And but when I'm just asking the question to learn when, when that occurs, when when two appraisers recognize, you know what, this is this is above all, both of us. We need to bring in an expert, um, an engineer of this or that, whomever. Who pays for that? Well, ideally, what we when I've been in those situations, I mean, just to be honest with you, what we kind of want to do, because um, would it would it would the panel talk to the ideally group? ideally that that answer you can find the answer to one question. You're not trying to get an official determination. What you're trying to do is just gather information that maybe okay. you don't have. And so, so and I guess that's question. more what I'm speaking towards. Just a quick console yeah. kind of thing. So it, but if it, it depends on whose file it's going. Yeah, you're asking okay. for a quick consult. It's like, hey, is is this something that can be repaired or are we gonna have to replace this? Is this is this stone coated steel tile still available? Got you know it. what I mean? What is what is y'all's method of repair? Kind of how would you guys go about this? What is your war? What like what does your warranty say about this? And these are the things that I'm saying. It's like you don't have to guess. So that's okay. what I mean. It's like when you don't when you need to involve somebody. Let me give you a good example of where I bring in an expert and to answer your question, Jess. I pay for it. It comes out of my fee. But one of those things, like if I've got a roof that's like you know a ten or twelve or fourteen twelve pitch or something like that, and it's two stories, well, guess what Jeremy's fat ass doesn't get on? It doesn't get on that roof. And so I have an expert that goes up there that's got rope and harness training, That's that's got all sorts of letters behind his names, that crawls up on that thing and monkeys around on it and comes back, and that's the data that I have to work with, is whatever it is he comes down with. Now, that other appraiser may need to do the same thing, or he may want to just go up there and look at it himself, you know, but I will bring that guy in. And in that case, I pay for it. Um, 
that's that's how that works. Now, I'm assuming, and this is hypothetical in nature, and this is in no way to be taken as it happens, but if there was some like structural concern that neither of us were exactly, qualified yeah. to handle, what we would probably do is go back to each party and go, look, we need to have a, a legit okay. engineer look okay. at this thing. We needed a structural engineer to come out and make a determination and write a protocol on this. And once they write a protocol and we know the repairs that need to be made, whether this joist needs to be sistered or whether this needs to be done. I mean, generally an engineer's response to anything is, well, you know, you start with a wrecking ball. They never say that. You know what I mean? And and so you you then would agree. Yeah, and so it's an appraisal. So it's all about what you two agree on. You know what I'm saying? And if you can't agree, that's what the umpire is for. And you may just hold off on settling that portion and go, okay, this is a disputed item. You think that we can determine what the repair is going to be. I think we need an engineer. And that umpire may be the one that decides. It's like, nope, we're going to have to hire an engineer. And so he agrees with it. That umpire may decide on, on, on the other guys. Like, no, we can determine what this is. That umpire may be an engineer, and he can come out and make that decision. So some of those, when you're selecting an umpire, you might want to think about the expertise of the umpire that you're selecting. Yep. You may want to think about the umpire that you're selecting when it's like, look, we're not going to know. We're just going to go ahead and send this to umpire. And then, you know, both parties are going to split the cost of that. So that is kind of how you look at that sort of situation. Because remember, the the, the simple form and even the longer form of the appraisal says the person has got to be capable. Okay, it doesn't say they have to be an expert. What do they have to be? They have to be capable. Now, the capable person, you know, and I believe that there's four levels of knowledge. And this is just a little gem I'm going to give every every one of you guys for free. Okay, Um, and I never really know how I want to start or how it lands better, but I'm going to start at the top and work my way down. You have expert. Okay, you have expert. Then the next level is is you have knowledgeable somebody that is. Well, hang on. I'll take that back. You've got expert. Then you've got capable. Then you've got knowledgeable. And then you've got ignorant. Okay, so it's like knowledgeable is is I kind of understand how the ball bounces. Capable is is I I have a I have a better than good understanding of how it works. And then you've got expert that says, you know, I know exactly how to fix this. I can draw up the plans on how to fix it. So I like the word that they they use the word capable and they don't use the word that these that the, the that the appraiser has to be right. an expert. And I think that when you look at capable, do you have the ability to assess the damage? Yes, I have the ability to assess the damage. Now, I may not have the ability to get on the roof, but if I can find somebody that can get on the roof that finds the damage that I'm looking for, takes a picture of that damage or a video of that damage, or there's a drone or something along those lines, I do what, based on that information, I have the capability, I am capable enough to determine what is going to go on there. Back Now, the other thing... I was going to say, back in, I think it was 2019, I took Steve Patrick's... um, appraisal mastermind class, the master class. Yep. And, Uh um, is the one day class was in Dallas. And, um, I really didn't have a lot of questions because I was really just in absorb mode. But when it came to that, that specific thing, it was capable. Uh, and I think it was experienced was the other variable. Anyway, um, I raised my hand and, um, I was not at all trying to be a smart ass when I asked this question. I came from a military mindset is where my question was coming from. I said, who defines or sets what capable means and experienced? I said, there are some people who are very capable, but they may lack experience or the other way around. They have book textbook experience, but maybe they're not capable to think outside the box or be investigative or whatever. I said, who, who sets that? Is there any, like a metric out there? And the entire room was silent. It was crickets. And then I felt like an idiot for asking because I, I think people were kind of uh, just put off by the question. I didn't mean it that way at all because that, that's so subjective. It is highly subjective. Like, oh, um, I think it was capable and knowledgeable. I have a crap ton of knowledge in my head. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm capable of handling a claim, like right. certain claims, you right. know? Right. Like, 
Well, yeah, it depends on where you want to apply. And I'm glad you brought this up. Okay, because what because whether or not you can be an appraiser. So what you can do is is disqualify yourself. That's one thing. Or you can qualify yourself. I mean, that's there's just not a lot of there's not. a. I mean, the reality is, is that there's nobody there's no there's no watchdog that says whether or not someone is or isn't capable. Now, I'm going to tell you where that matters where that matters is if the file does ultimately go to litigation yes. and whether or not the award gets yes. challenged. That's where capable is going to come into play and whether or not that person is, would be deemed capable at that point in time. But until then, you are you are qualified, you're qualified at that point by your own by your own resume. You know what I mean? And then and so and so the um and so the uh Sorry, I lost my train of thought. So the idea here is, is that the homeowner is the one that, that invokes appraisal. Okay. And that is a, and they're asking, who do I have to go get? Can my brother-in-law be the appraiser? Well, yes, he can be as long as he's capable. The idea here is, is that they're unbiased too. Right. That's the other thing yeah. that they're looking for. So maybe not your brother-in-law, maybe your that, that would be a, that would be a bad idea, but I am, I'm looking at, I have never in all of my life installed a roof. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I'm not there to be capable yep. of installing a roof. What am I there for? I'm there. Am I capable to determine whether or not this roof is damaged? Am I capable enough to say what it would take to actually repair right. this roof? Right. In my opinion, yes, those things I am capable. I'm also knowledgeable in these things. And the reason I'm knowledgeable is I have worked thousands of claims. I have worked in, you know, I, 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 I have never counted. I'll be honest with you. I've never counted. But I, I mean, I have between being a storm supervisor, between um, being a file reviewer, between working with different contractors, being a public adjuster, all of these things, I have looked at thousands of files. And I can tell you, looking at thousands of files, I have a, a, a testament of knowledge here because I've looked at kind of how these things go. And so whether or not, so I am telling you, I uh, my uh, like, for example, whether or not a roof needs to be replaced is solely reliant upon how I've seen insurance carriers behave in the past. It has nothing to do with whether or not I sat in a roofing roofing school. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with whether or not I've actually gone up and I have looked and seen how carriers have behaved in the past. And it's 100% contingent upon that. And I'm going to tell you, that's where I draw my capability from is what is the general thought about this when it pertains to an insurance claim? And that's what I'm looking at. And that's where my capability comes from, you know, and in this situation, we're looking at we're looking at an insurance claim, and that's what applies here. And so that precedent, that knowledge would be applicable. Jess, what say you? What I mean, do you? Think I definitely about think the three hundred is a really you know or above or thousands or whatever. But I remember um, I had asked the question: Well, when do, when does a PA become capable of you know taking on an appraisal here and there or whatever? And I was told, oh, after a hundred claims. And I kind of sat on that. And especially now that I've been in the industry for a while and I've seen a little like work product from so many other PAs, I, I don't even feel like that's, that's a good judgment. I mean, you could work a hundred claims really crappy, you know, <laughs> and I mean, yeah. just because you worked a hundred yeah. doesn't mean you, you know, did them right. I had a coach one time that said, you know, you've heard the old ad adage, practice makes perfect. Well, if you practice right. it the wrong way, it doesn't make perfect. It makes you perfectly wrong. You know what I mean? And so it doesn't necessarily, I mean, so in, when, we're, when we're looking at practice, we're practicing here based on the knowledge that comes before us, based on we're trying to provide some sort of landscape for the people that come after us, right? I mean, because think about the adjusters 30 years from now, Jess. Are they still going to be, are they still going to be drawing test squares on the roof? Well, they're all going to be you know? robots and, and like, AI anyway, so no. <laughs> it probably will. Well, back in Monday, what we had to do is we used sidewalk chalk, and we got That's up right. there ourselves. We didn't have these fancy robots, and we played games like ram your head into the tree, and we liked it like that, you know? And so um, we didn't have fancy drones. 
I think you know, setting uh, a minimum is a good idea that says that you've you've been in industry for a little while at least. I think, but I think it needs. I think there there should be, you know, and I, I like what uh, plan you know P L A N property loss adjuster network. You know, I kind of like what they're what they're trying to accomplish. Right, vet some folks, make sure that they get continuing education and doing appraisals right based on trends and not trends so much, but uh, law right? Case law, you know, what's happening to an appraisal. And I, I do, I think there should be some kind of body, if you will, of folks that just say, you know what? Yep. We stand by this guy or gal. Like it's not just a claim number. It's not just a year of experience. It, you know, maybe shoot, maybe audit some claim files. See, the, well, <laughs> do an audit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the idea. It's like it's like you've got to have something. You've got to have something before you enter into this process and be an appraiser. I think that that's I think that's the idea. We're going to get into what you can't do in the in the final round of, of this episode. But I just want to put a little bow on this one and stick it under the tree and you can open it up later is like what you can do is is get out there before you're in appraisal and learn about it. I think Steve Patrick's masterclass is a really good place to start i think that you need to audit some claim files i mean i think you've got to be um i you know learn how to estimate or at least learn how to read the estimate and understand what you're going to do i mean uh, appraisers on this side don't have right now currently the way that it works do not have a big huge burden when it comes to writing an estimate most of the time the opposing appraiser for the carrier has the you know, typically we'll write that estimate. So, um, I, you know, those are just thoughts. I mean, you should, I, I think you should be proficient in Xactimate. I think those are some things that you can do if you're wanting to move into the appraisal world. Those are great ways to go. But we've got round three coming up. I am looking forward to this one, just like this one was what you can do. The next one is going to be the antithesis of such. And round three starts right after this. When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including free voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. You already have these pages. She'll optimize them for you as well call or message sally today if you want to get started you can reach her at 214-789-1651 again her name is sally brigantz her number is 214-789-1651 and uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up when you send her a referral that signs up with her she'll credit your billing account logos are also available um and she also offers a lead generation service in seo search engine optimization where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of google or your money back it is spelled t-h-r-y-b and you can find my good friend sally brigance and that's spelled s-a-l-l-i-e brigance b-r-i-g-a-n-c-e and she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651 Round three, what you cannot do. My first one, and I'm going to take this one. What you cannot do is get involved in an appraisal where you don't have any freaking clue of what's going on. That is number one. You cannot Amen. do that. Do not do that. Run away from that at all costs. Find somebody who don't knows what they're doing. Don't take a water loss if all you've ever done is roofs. Come don't. on, girl. Or fire. Can I get a prayer to the Lord? Can I get a, can I get a, hey man, can I get a, hallelujah, can somebody help Gilligan get off the island there? So, I mean, that's all, do not get into something you don't know how to handle. Yep. Don't do it. 
Um, do not get into something where the documentation that's been provided by a water mitigation expert and you don't know how to decipher what that 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 information is. It's not just drywall and paint, fellas. It's more to it than that. And whether or not that this thing has been carried out, understand the dispute that's in front of you. I have seen so many appraisals where the where the two just didn't. I'm talking both sides here. They just took whatever it was the opposing side said, set it on the shelf, and they just went and made their own assessment. You know what I mean? Now, I have been in plenty of places where the work was already done. That's always my favorite when the contractor has already done all the work and he didn't get approval for it. So now he wants to go to appraisal. That's yep. that's always the one that gives me, a, you know, like I, I want to have a stroke when that happens. It's like, oh, gosh, if you can at all avoid it, if you can at all avoid having all the work done prior to heading into an appraisal, please, please settle the scope before you get into that. Don't just go make a bunch of repairs and thinking that you're going to win an appraisal. What, the other thing you can't do is treat appraisal like it's a magic right. bullet. Like, oh, well, you know, if the carrier doesn't want to do it, then we'll just go to appraisal and we'll win there. And I know that there are a lot of contractors out there still that just think it's this magic PAs thing too. is that this is the way that I get around. The there are some PAs oh, too yeah. that are like, no, yeah, I'm not getting what I want. So let's flip it to appraisal. Yeah. Um, the other thing, um, the other thing that you can't do is is you can't talk about the policy. You cannot bring it. Well, I know that they have to indemnify them, and they've got to put them back to pre loss condition. And whatever policy little excerpt that you think that all policies do does not matter in appraisal. Your job in appraisal is to assess the damage. That's what it is. You've got to go in and figure out. Now, sometimes, sometimes assessing that damage is going to create damage. Well, what I mean is repairing the damage. What is damage is going to create damage. And a good example of that is a roof. Um, I, I think it's very hard to make an indemnifying, indemnifying, indemnifying repair on a roof. I am saying that there are, there are roof repairs that are out there. I think that a roof can Correct. be repaired. What I am telling you is, is I don't think it can be indemnifiably Amen. repaired. Now, one will, one will argue that the word indemnify does not show up anywhere in a homeowner's policy or a business policy or any sort of property loss policy. It does not show up there. It is written under the principle of indemnity. Okay. That's the reason people buy it. And I think one of the things that I would like to say is what was sold to the individual was indemnity sold. Was the idea, was the idea if your, if your stuff gets messed up, this is what this is for. So if you get blown over by a hurricane, and it's not one of these exclusions that are involved, then your stuff gets fixed. How, I mean, well, how much stuff? Who picks what? Well, it's pre-loss condition, like kind and quality. Pre-loss condition does not exist within the policy because it says we have the right to repair or replace. That's what it says. Okay. Pre-loss condition is not a phrase that shows up in a policy. Yeah. And there's a big difference between retail okay. and insurance. Retail, repair your roof yeah, all day long. Is. It's up to you. It's retail. It's your thing. Uh, your policy, though, and is indemnification. What uh, the other thing that an appraiser is not supposed to do is I am going to say this. I've said it a thousand times in other episodes. And so you're going to don't stop me. I want to hear it again. You are not an arbiter of justice. <laughs> you are it's not there to get justice. Okay. Your job, again, is to appraise the damage, what it takes to fix it, and any ensuing loss that would come after that. That's part of the appraisal. Whether or not that ensuing loss is covered is not your concern. It's also not the other appraiser's concern. I have a, I've had opposing appraisers to go, well, yeah, the ensuing loss on this policy is just not covered. I said, well, I don't have the policy. I'm not reading the policy. But in order to fix this damage, that's going to be part of the cost. I will let the I will let the the appraisal award run through the coverage of the policy. And that's really what that exculpatory language means at the end of the long appraisal clause that's available. I know that Farmers uses it. I know that State Farm is using it. 
I know carriers like Germania are using it. So the important thing is, is get a copy of that appraisal clause because you can't appraise a claim without the freaking appraisal clause. You can't appraise a claim without the freaking appraisal clause. One more time, for those of you listening and following along at home, you cannot appraise a claim without the appraisal clause. So stop trying. Yeah. So if you wondered how I felt about it, that's how I feel <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. So, and, and I know I have talked a lot in this episode and guys, you're just going to have to forgive me because I am a, pu- a public adjuster that personally does not like appraisal because it means I've fallen short in some kind of way. Moving things. Now, I will be your appraiser, but I don't send very many claims to appraisal unless it is just really the last thing I do. But I will tell you one thing you can't do as a PA is hold on to that thing too long. Well, and then, you know, I mean, you as a participating member of of the appraisal panel, you can't you can't go outside the panel either unless the panel agrees. You can't communicate with the PA. You can't communicate facts. You know what's going on. with. I mean, status update might be one thing, but. Everything has to be contained and should be. That's the professional way is with with and through by the appraisal panel. Yeah, it, it really has. And so, look, if there's information that the carrier may have, you and the you and the other appraiser can go, hey, let's go back to our our, our individual parties here and see if anybody's got any photographs of the gutters because you don't have any photographs of the gutters. I don't have any photographs of the gutters, but right here we're seeing damage to the gutter. Let's double check and see what the dispute is on that. Let's find out, are we disputing the gutters? Oh, no, those gutters were damaged in a previous storm and never got replaced. Oh, okay. Well, we found the damage to them, but it's not part of the dispute. So that's what Jess is really saying there is you can't start making decisions based on what is what what should be in the appraisal. The that 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 stuff is determined separate from you. You're given this list of instructions, and so don't try. What you can't do is expand the appraisal. That's another thing that you can't do. Oh, well, I noticed all kind of damage on the fence. The fence is blown over. Well, the fence is not blown over. It's been run over by some car that came by three days ago and doesn't have anything to do with this appraisal. So you don't, there are so many facts that you don't have in those situations. Don't expand the appraisal. And that's one of the things that I would tell you. That's why I go back to round one. Make sure the margins are clearly defined when it comes to what is in dispute. Okay. So, um, just to kind of recap, you cannot bring up an endorsement. You cannot bring up what the state is or isn't. You cannot bring up case law. You cannot um, bring up the policy. You just need to look at the damage, the damage alone, and what it takes to repair that damage, whatever it is. Um, I will get, I will say that you do have some liberty to ask the question um, outside of the appraisal panel is like, hey, we found hail damage on the fence. And I realized that it was run over by a car. But before it was run over by a car, it appears that there was some hail damage on it. Is that something that that needs to be in this appraisal process? You know, maybe it should. Maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. You know, um, those are all questions that I have. And let me give you an example of where this might come up. Ninety nine percent of carriers will not address hail damage or oxidation damage on a fence if the fence is not stained some carriers will pressure wash and clean it okay if you have an unstained fence that has bona fide hail damage on it is it okay to include that in your appraisal well let's go back and find out if it's a part of the dispute is it something that the homeowner wants so Mr. Guys on the homeowner side, go back and ask your homeowner, is this something that you want to be part of the dispute? Opposing appraisers that are on the carrier side, go back and go, hey, is this part of the dispute? Is this part of y'all's record of damage on there? Yeah, well, our guidelines don't clean that. That's not what I ask you. What I'm asking you is, is it part, is it related damage? Well, yes, it is. Okay, well, then it very well may be included in that appraisal. Is pressure washing the fence, even though it'll weather back to a normal condition, is it hail damage? Yes, it is hail damage. 
It is damaged. We don't cover it unless it's stained. You don't cover the fence. You just cover the stain on the fence. You know, those are things that I argue as a public adjuster. Well, we don't do it unless it's, well, with all due respect, you don't do anything. <laughs> you sold a policy and all you want to do is argue of whether or not you ha you owe for it. So within the limits of liability, you write checks. That's what you do. And we're just determining how much, how big that check should be. That's my two cents on that. So, I mean, there is some, there is some latitude there. But you cannot invoke whether or not you believe something is covered. And if you're asking whether or not something is covered, it probably shouldn't be an appraisal mm -hmm. anyway. So, you got anything to add to that, Jess? Anything at all? No, not on the not on the can't the can't. We really you really hit the biggest one right out the gate. <laughs> Don't take something you're not capable <laughs> or experienced and knowledgeable of doing. <laughs> You've got to do it. Look, look, I had a, I had one where I was, and the reason I say this is because there are, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that you can get involved here. And I was actually called in on a crop policy that covered a large irrigator. Okay. And it was one of those that had a, it, a well fed a tank and the tank fed the irrigation system that did those big sprinklers that went out in the field. But the, the, the main, the main hub thing that held the tank of water. And I think that this is what it was. And this tells you, I should not be appraising this, right? Cause I'm not really <laughs> sure what the stupid what the thing, thing is. Thing called. is. <laughs> okay. If you don't know what it is, you probably shouldn't be appraising it. So I'm going to say, but it was, and it was like, can you handle the appraisal on this? And the first thing in my mind was, well, um, I, all I have to know is policy. And I'm like, nope, I'm being an appraiser. So no, I could not appraise this because I have no idea how this thing operates. I have no working knowledge of if it can be repaired. I don't know if in some town irrigation, you know, Ned's irrigation system repair, you know, I don't know what that takes. I don't know how any of them do that kind of thing. I don't know. You know what I mean? And so the answer to that question was no. And I'll, and I'll go even one step further. If you're a public adjuster, I know this is an appraisal show, but if you're trying to public adjust something you don't know how to do, like if you've never worked a fire, go find you a firm that works a lot of fires and learn kind of how fires get worked before you go bite one off. And I'm going to tell you how I know that because I didn't do that and I went and worked a fire and I went and bit off a fire <laughs> and it was a big one. And that's a, and I'm telling you what, that is scary working a fire, you know, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, it looks a lot harder than it is. I will tell you that when it comes to fires, it looks a lot harder than it is, but it is incredibly involved. There's lots, there's lots of extra steps in repairing some of this stuff. And so if you don't fully understand the steps, then you probably need to start questioning your capability. Or for crying out loud, go you take know, a class. and you can't get involved in go, something. Go take a class. Go get IICRC well, yeah, I mean, has a great, and there's probably some others out there, but the IICRC water restoration technician course is amazing. Though that that definitely sets sets a good foundation for you to take on water losses. The same with um, the IICRC's yep. fire, smoke, and and yeah, fire and smoke restoration technician FSRT. Another good course. Go take the classes. Yep. Now, now some of these things will have what I call standards, mm -hmm. okay? Now, remember, standards are minimum standards. I'm going to use that word again. Minimum. Minimum standards. They are not the maximum that can be used. I had a water loss one time. They called it in. It was during snowmageddon that we had here in Texas. I love how we put a mageddon on the end of everything. Um, but I, we had snowmageddon here uh, or the snowpocalypse, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, as you might imagine, Jess, restoration equipment was or, you know, drying equipment was very hard to come by. And so they had some oversized stuff that they got a hold of, oversized dehumidifiers, oversized fans, and the carrier wouldn't pay for the oversize because of the ICRC standard that you only need this size dehumidifier. You only need these sizes, these size fans. But they were being charged 
you know, I mean, the, the mitigation contractor who rented the equipment because all of their equipment was out, they were being charged for the full size stuff. And it's like, this is all that was available. And they were wanting to go, well, the minimum, that's a minimum standard. And, um, don't let minimum standards stand in the way of the equipment that was actually used in order to dry the dry the place out. That's just one small little water mitigation tip. And with the um, with the IICRC standard that's actually written, I don't believe the IICRC has actually come out with their fire they are. standard yes. yet. The, um, so I'm but, on the uh, rewrite board. Yeah, she's on the board. I'm on the rewrite oh, board for the yeah. S500, the water one. And it's come up in a few conversations amongst the board members that they are, it is coming out. Uh, and it might actually be, no, that might be the commercial water. Never mind. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's either out or is coming out very, very soon. Well, there it is guys. Um, when's it ready? What, what can you do and what you can't do? So enjoy this episode. I think you should probably listen to it a couple of times. I think there's a lot of really good nuggets in there. Some really good jokes in there. Yeah, some great jokes. Some great jokes. Terrible jokes. <laughs> I mean, like you could do a stand-up routine with what I with so what sorry. I presented earlier. I apologize. Yeah, we do apologize. I'm so sorry, guys. But um, Jess, no, any final words? I'm good. That was a good one. Well, guys, um, you know, I hope you feel a little bit better about appraisal. Please do not use this episode as your sole education point to go run an appraisal. But if you have any questions or any concerns about appraisals that you're running, please feel free to drop them in the comments below. We will do our best to get to them just as quickly as we can. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, please click like and subscribe. If you know somebody that really needs to hear it, I request that you share it with them and help us spread the good word of the rumble until next time. We will be back next week but in the meantime stay ready so you don't have to get ready and we will see you on the next one